Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We continue in our series called Walk This Way as we are joined by the Reverend Dr. John Guest. Pastor John will be preaching on loving others coming out of James chapter 2. Here he is with his message. Thank you for listening. Well, to walk his, this way is to walk his way. His way. That's really what we're going to be looking at as we continue in this series. Interesting, the guy walking there with the hoodie, somebody gave me, which is fantastic, a Steeler hoodie. The guy actually lived down in Tennessee, was a Steeler fan. And then, uh, anyway, he gave up on the Steelers and sent me his Steeler gear. So I got a couple of really nice jackets. The one with the hood, I put on. You've got to see me with the hoodie on, right? <laughs> and then I went outside. On the, we actually put it on out on the front, in our front garden. And then I start walking like i got a hoodie on. <laughs> like the guy in the picture. My kids said, Dad! And they ran in and got the camera. Caught me. It's on film now. It's amazing how even the way we walk, we sometimes are imitating other people. Do you know that? Style, man. Anyway, to walk like Jesus. When James, who by the way is the brother of Jesus, he grew up with Jesus. Can you imagine that? Yeah, James was the brother of Jesus. He's not James the brother of John. Let me just fill in the blanks here. James the brother of John was executed, second martyr, early on in that book, The Acts of the Apostles, which is like the early history of the church. John lost his brother, James. James was executed. Stephen was the first martyr, James the second, very early on. This James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. I would suspect, therefore, was called the first bishop of Jerusalem. And growing up with Jesus, can you imagine growing up watching perfection? The brothers of Jesus didn't first believe in him. I don't know why they... Well, what if it's your brother and he's acting like the Messiah and doing these miracles like out of nowhere? I guess it would take you by surprise. But they didn't first believe in him. James later became a believer. It's one of the evidences that Jesus is the real deal. Because James' brother became a believer. So instead of being an unbeliever and distrustful of him, one very close to him, now becomes a leader in the church, writes what is one of the epistles, letters. It's an evidence that Jesus was the real deal. Do you know that when you become a believer, maybe you've experienced this, members of your family can turn against you. Maybe your mum or your dad. My dad committed suicide when I was seven. I thought my mother would be really excited when I became a Christian because, like, as a teenager... Now, I might be 
walking reasonably, righteously. But she was not happy. She kind of went cold on me. Like to, it's amazing. My brothers ridiculed me. And I've just become a Christian. Often, that's the case. People closest to you are the most difficult to reach, whether it's your own kids or family. James became a believer and a leader. And when he's giving us this letter, one commentator has said he's taken the Sermon on the Mount and sort of given it down-to-earth graphic explanation in the teaching of this epistle. In any way, James knew Jesus up close, and this teaching is following the example of Jesus. So when he says, look at it on page two in your service sheet, my brothers, do not show favoritism. My brothers, as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. That's like a command. Another translation says partiality. That is, don't play favorites. And I love, there's another translation by a man called Phillips. J.B. Phillips. And this is what he said. Don't ever attempt, my brothers, to combine snobbery with faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives an example, and it's right there in front of you. And as Jamie read it, it sort of caught our attention. Suppose a man comes into your meeting, this is verse 2 of James 2, wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention, favoritism, partiality, special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But the poor man, you say to him, stand there or sit, in the, sit on the floor near my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges, if you had, you could underline this, with evil thoughts. That kind of partiality, which all of us experience because we love to be around the rich and the famous. Yesterday, a man up, and Pastor Ed wanted me to say thank you to all of you who helped man up and made it a great success. It's fantastic all day teaching to a gathering of men, something like about 15, 1,700 of them, crowded into Victory Church out on Route 19. Only kind of building, kind of big enough to hold them all nowadays in one setting. In any case, Pastor Jared and I had breakout sessions with some of the men. And we were a part of it, but Ed is saying, because this is really an extension of Urban Impact's ministry, Pastor Ed says, thank you for making that such a, a success. Some of you were there helping set it all up in the morning, serving meals and so on. Thank you. 
In any case, that gathering of men had as its what highlighter the guy who you saw on the billboard, Mike Tomlin, coach of the Steelers, who put his name to it to reach out to the fatherless in our city and to help men to be good fathers and to help with the fatherless as part of the deal. We, some of us, got to have our picture taken with him. Point of telling you all this is it was great to see us all line up and I got in the line and Pastor Jared did and me and Mike. I'll have that picture in my office as soon as I get it. Me and Mike. It's a symptom. Because we tend to make a fuss of the rich, the talented. Some of you still remember the name Jim Dobson. It's amazing how, you know, names sort of pass off of the face of history. But he had a radio show for years about parenting. And he had this description of how most young people measure each other up. In other words, have their attitudes conditioned. If you're good-looking or beautiful, that's big. If you're smart, really talented, that's big. If you're a jock and an athlete, that's really big. Those three are the big ones. And then you had being cool. That's sort of hard to define, coolness. That's the fonts in happy days. I don't know if, again, that's like history. All us older people know about the fonts. Being cool. When you take those things, whether it's wealth, intellect, good looks, athleticism, being cool. Those are the five, the big five by which young people tend to gauge each other. Want to be around them want to be seen to be friends of theirs. I think a lot of us adults are like it too. It's not just kids. And it's the very thing that James is saying, when you're in the church and you belong to Jesus, and you behave like that, it's evil. It's discrimination. It's playing favorites. That's big time. Later on he speaks about murder and adultery. Well, we know that's big time bad. But he's picked on something that gets to all of us. And in as much as we've broken the law in one part, we've broken it all together. Listen to what he goes on to say. This is verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised to those who love him. But you have insulted the poor. What a condemnation. You've insulted the poor. And it's so easily done. But the example of Jesus, because this really is inconsistent with God's graciousness, very inconsistent, because God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. Where was Jesus born? In a palace? In a nice hospital room? In a smelly stable. Because there was no room at the inn. His parents were ordinary people. 
His immediate followers, his disciples, ordinary guys, hardworking guys. Only one of them was rich, and he was a tax collector, Matthew, and he was despised because he had collected taxes from the Jews to give to the Romans, who were the occupying force. Jesus hung out with ordinary people. And when he died, he died a miserable, stinking death of a criminal nailed naked to a cross. He looked like a loser. He was crucified with losers. Listen to what it says, because the scriptures pick up on this. It's so 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. You're going to walk the Jesus way. He identified with the broken-hearted the disadvantaged, people just like some of us may be now or were. I think most of you now, if you've been around here any length of time anyway, know that I was raised poor because my dad died when I was seven. During the Second World War, my mother was left with three boys, of which I was the oldest, and from that moment on we were in poverty. So when I hear about a Jesus who identifies with the poor, that resonates with someone like me. And it actually makes Jesus very, very accessible even to the rich, and I'll come back to that, because of his example. You know, along the way, Jesus was asked many questions as they tried to trap him in his speech. But here are two big ones that are very much a part of a conversation A lawyer says to him, what is the great commandment? And Jesus quoted scripture, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then he went on to say, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor as yourself is up there with Loving the God, the Lord your God with all your might, soul, strength, etc. And it's actually a statement right out of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Simple statement to love your neighbor as yourself. And in this particular text, look at verse 5, excuse me, verse 8, it is the royal law. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, and he's quoting Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. He's elevated this, has James, to a major offense. And if we're going to walk and talk and be like Jesus, then the big deal for us is to be his kind of guy, his kind of man. One of the things that is so beautiful 
when you take a look at it, listen to these words from Galatians. It's what happens when we join ourselves to Christ. For in Christ you are all children of God. That's a radical transformation. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And there were different discriminatory attitudes about whether you were a slave or free, whether you were a Gentile or a Jew, whether you were a man or a woman. And Jesus says, in Christ there is no favoritism, no partiality. And Paul, in picking up on that very idea that when you're in Christ, when you're in him, when you're connected to him, when you're like covered with him, clothed in him, with him, you start walking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, viewing people like Jesus, views them. You get his attitudes. Any other attitude is described here as breaking the law, as sinful, and as a challenge to God's graciousness and the example of Jesus. It's absolutely inconsistent. does not line up. Now, one of the things that's spectacular about our getting involved with like urban impact, like Pine Valley, Pine Valley Camp takes all kinds of kids who can't really afford to be in camp. Urban Impact sends a lot of their kids to Pine Valley Camp. And Urban Impact itself is a ministry to the north side of Pittsburgh and to the underprivileged and those who there have been raised in a disadvantaged circumstance and still are. And what did Pastor Ed and Tammy do? They moved in, like God moved on in, in on us in Christ and came and dwelled amongst us as one of us. They moved in on Avery Street, which at that time, four out of five were boarded up houses. And he and Tammy moved there. Their children were born there and raised there. And they were told, boy, you're crazy raising your kids in that environment. Their firstborn, Nathan, is studying at Oxford right now. And it's fantastic what's happening in that family. Nathan, when he wrote an article, really an essay, to enter university and college, he sent me a copy of it. And I thought every university or college that reads this will want this young man as part of their student body. Because what he described is as when he was a little boy, he was walking the street in the winter with his mother... And they came across a guy who was either through drugs or drink, comatose, laid out on the sidewalk. And he said, my mother took off her coat, her winter coat, and laid it over him. And I thought to myself, every school will want this lad as one of their students. What an experience to see your mother do that. Not just cross over to the other side. When Jesus was asked the question, what is the great commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself is right up there. 
And then one chap said to him, well, who is my neighbor? Wanted further clarification. And what did Jesus tell us a story? A guy gets beaten up and robbed, and all the religious self-righteous guys come across him as they're walking on that same path, and they cross over and walk on the other side of the road. And then a Samaritan, a despised Samaritan, despised by the Jews. Absolutely. He's the one who helps the beaten up guy. And then Jesus asked the question, who was neighbor to the guy who got beaten up? Answer? They must have choked on it to say it. The Samaritan. That's who your neighbor is. The guy in need that you come across. That's your neighbor. Jesus is pretty specific. Here is Tammy taking off her winter coat and laying it over a drunk in the street. But the power and authority of Pastor Ed's ministry is way beyond just the poor. And this is a clue to us. People are looking for credibility and authenticity. Often you hear it said that the church is full of hypocrites. I've had people say to me, I don't go to church, it's full of hypocrites. I said, well, there's room for one more. <laughs> and there is. Because we're, we, we, we're all hypocrites. <laughs> None of us lives up to what we say we believe. When James starts talking to us like this, we say, wow, that's me. I'm a phony. Do I care? Am I willing to identify and give, get behind this kind of work? Touch people's lives like that? That's the deal. That is really what we should be doing. And it gives an authenticity and a credibility. So guess who Pastor Ed and Tammy are now able to address? The wealth and the power of Pittsburgh and other cities. Man up Pittsburgh, the very concept is now being bought into down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I believe it's next year or the year afterwards there's going to be a man up Charlotte. And the Panthers are getting behind it. And NASCAR. Somebody said to me, well, you've got the Panthers. That's the Charlotte football team. And NASCAR, you've got Charlotte. They're even asking about whether we would hold the man up Charlotte at the NASCAR racetrack. How would you like those apples? I've got a secretary who's ready to go down there and be in man up if it's a NASCAR. And guess what? Atlanta has heard about it. So you go Pittsburgh, Charlotte, Atlanta. They're looking in Atlanta to have a man up Atlanta. Where did that all start? With Pastor Ed moving in on Avery Street with his young bride, Tammy. That's where that began. Not exactly. 
It began when God moved in on us with a baby born in a stable and laid in a feeding trough, a manger, for his crib. That's where it all began. God, who so loved the world that he gave his son, how did he give him? In humility. And the credibility of Jesus is part of, and a big part, of his ministering to the poor and the oppressed and the broken-hearted and the messed-up, sinful, screwed-up people. Isn't it amazing that that translates so that into his presence to come now, every knee will bow. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Everyone will confess on bended knee that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the message of walking like Jesus walked, this way, which is his way, is applicable to every single one of us. Let's find ourselves, every one of us, this week, one way or another, reaching out and touching somebody who is so dissimilar to us in comparison to us. I mean, most of us at Christ Church are the advantaged. And it's wonderful how God has lifted us up. Because many of you didn't start there like I didn't start there. God got a hold of you and redirected your life and renovated you and restored you and made you new and gave you a new vision of yourself which is expressed in your desire to please him and serve him. That's the deal. Let's go for it, shall we? Let's go for it. Let's pray together. Well, Lord Jesus... There's no messing with what you've just taught us. Your example is outstanding, your teaching clear. And your brother James, your earthly brother here on earth, expounding on what he saw in you. Someone who reached out to those who were poor. Not well-dressed, not well-educated, not part of the elite. But oh, the transformation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May people take note of us that we live with you because of how we reach out to others who need help. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.